Lord Jesus, may you make yourself known to us today in the opening of your word and in the breaking of bread. We ask this, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, if you see me hobbling around on the stage, uh, it's, it's because I stole my daughter's skateboard and immediately went into the street and fell uh, on my, we'll say fell on my hip. Uh, if, if we were in other company, I might use other words to describe the incident. So welcome to the season of Easter. <laughs> I'm really wounded up here. <laughs> welcome to the season of Easter. We're in a season of 50 days of fasting in which we celebrate the feasting, feasting, thank you. Oh my gosh, this is feast. We are feasting. So many ways to feast. It's been a long Lent. Oh, it's been a long Lent. 50 days of feasting in which we celebrate that Jesus Christ, the carpenter of Nazareth, the prophet, mighty in word and deed, has risen from the dead. So how are you feasting, friends? Are you buying skateboards and going out into the street? Are you uh, supplying chocolate to your kids just, uh, it, it just recklessly? Uh, maybe you're buying bubbly soda and every week you open up a new bottle of bubbly soda or, or some other form of bubbly. What are the ways in which you and your household and your friends and your neighbors are feasting during these 50 days? I hope you have a plan. There's still plenty of weeks left. So if you don't have a plan of feasting, there's still time to make it up. I think someone just said that they wanted to go to Dairy Queen after the service. That, maybe that's your way of doing it. I don't know. So on the first Easter morning, in the midst of grief and fear at the death of their friend, Mary and the other women, they go and they discover an empty tomb on that first Easter morning. But then they encounter the resurrected Jesus, and he commands them. He says, go, go and tell the others. And he tells them to bear witness to the glory of his resurrection. Well, this Easter season, we are going to be joining other Anglican churches throughout our diocese, uh, some of them, who are going to be pre entering into this Easter preaching series together in which we look at what it means to bear witness to the resurrection, what it means to be a resurrection witness. So we're going to be joining with City of Light in Aurora, or Christ Church in Madison, or Resurrection, our, our Cathedral Church in Wheaton, Redeemer in St. Paul, Cornerstone in, Bridge, in Bridgeport, Cornerstone in West Loop, Resurrection in Sioux Falls, and Aviva Church in Little Village, uh, who we are remembering especially these days. But this Easter season, it's our strong conviction that Jesus is inviting all of us here in this room, those of you who are joining us on the live stream, and others throughout our churches to bring our griefs and our sorrows to him so that he might minister to us in the power of his resurrection, that we might go forth into the world bearing witness to these good things, these marvelous things that he has done. And isn't the story that we read this morning, today's lectionary gospel passage, doesn't it also just act as another reminder of these beautiful truths? Here we have these disciples in complete despair met by the resurrected Jesus. Did not our hearts burn within us, they say at the end of the story. So let's, we're going to move through this passage in three movements. Uh, so let's dive on in. So we see these two men walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they're incredibly distraught. 
Now, this is a short journey. It's just a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So it'd kind of be like if we hopped out of the doors here and walked a straight line to Church of the Cross over in Hopkins. That's just about a seven-mile walk, which would take, you know, maybe two hours, two and a half hours, depending how fast you're walking. So it's not a far distance. And Jesus shows up. And, and when Jesus shows up to these men, you can hear the despair. And, and even the text tells us, that they stood there still and they were sad. We hear that coming through the way in which they recount the events of what had just happened. So they don't, they don't recognize Jesus. They don't know immediately who he is. The text tells us that her, their eyes were inhibited from seeing who Jesus is. And so they talk to him as if he's just some normal, ignorant dude on the street. And they tell him, they say, we have just witnessed the murder of a great prophet a prophet mighty in word and deed, they say. His teachings were beautiful and noble. He taught both mercy and justice. He cared for the lonely. He dignified the outcast. But he also did remarkable things. He healed the sick. He cast out demons that had been plaguing cities and individuals and families. He fed thousands of people. And in some accounts, he even raised people from the dead. So if there's going to be anyone in all of Jewish history who's going to redeem Israel, to rescue them from the oppressive um, control of the Romans, surely it was going to be Jesus. Surely it was going to be this man. But now he's dead, they say. And his death has traumatized the entire city. All, or, uh, there is so much anxiety that is expressed by these two men that is being felt by the entire city. What is going on in our world, these two disciples seem to be saying. Isn't that a question that we ourselves have been asking and, and have even been plumbing the depths of almost every single week over the past year or most? What in the world is going on right now? Well, then Jesus joins the conversation. And these men are scandalized because Jesus appears to have no idea what's going on. And they talked, but then Jesus sort of turns the tables on them. He, he jostles them awake. He says, do you think I'm the ignorant one? Oh, you foolish ones. Don't you know that the Messiah must, both, or must suffer before his glory? It's a simple question, but it jostles them awake. He lodges them out of their despair and prepares them to receive the most glorious Bible study of all human history. Don't you wish you could have been there to hear that? How amazing would it have been? Beginning with Moses and going through all the prophets, he interprets to them what the Holy Scriptures say about himself. Now, like I said earlier, it was just about a two or so hour walk that these men were on. I don't know, maybe Jesus joined them at the halfway mark, maybe a little bit before that, who knows? But I wonder what, what passages did Jesus choose? What passages did he go through? So our Easter vigil, which was, I can't believe it, that was like two whole weeks ago. It feels like it was just yesterday. But the Easter vigil that we had here in this room that Saturday before Easter morning uh, was just about two hours. It was just about over two hours. And I wonder, maybe Jesus told some of the same stories to the disciples that we retold on that Saturday night. Maybe he talked about creation and the fall. Maybe he talked about Exodus. 
Maybe he told them about the valley of dry bones. Maybe he talked about Zephaniah's prophetic call of the regathering of God's people. All these stories, Jesus says, are about the Messiah. Suffering and glory. Fall and redemption. Sin and forgiveness. Death and resurrection. All of these stories are same versions of the same glorious truth. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these. You see, the disciples are sad, not just because a mighty prophet has died, but they're sad because their expectations were not met by him. They think that Jesus let them down. But the good news is, that Je- the good news is not only just that Jesus has risen from the dead, but also that all of the scriptures have been fulfilled. That is good news. All the scriptures have been fulfilled. Not only has death been conquered, but this is the fulfillment of the entire plans and work and promises of God. So let me say that even more clearly. God is faithful. That's what Jesus is communicating to them on the road. God is faithful. What God says, God does. And so when God told Eve that one of her offspring would crush the head of the serpent, he meant it. When God told Ezekiel that he will give his people a home and that he will cleanse you with water, he will, he will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and he will place his own spirit within you, he meant it. When God told Zephaniah that there would be a day in which he takes away the judgments that have been placed upon humanity and that he will sing over us with loud singing and that, he will, that we will never again have to fear evil, he meant it. That is what Jesus is showing them over and over and over again on that amazing journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So the first movement that we see in this text today is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ shows us that the word of God, the word is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So let's move to the second part. I love what Houston Gonzalez says about this story. He says, Jesus seems to eat his way through the gospel of Luke. <laughs> I love that. Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus is a feasting guy. You know, he, he loves to eat. Uh, and I think you could say that of all the gospel passages. Jesus eats his way through all of them. So eventually our traveling trio here, they get to where they're going and they share a meal together. Verse 30, when they were at the table, Jesus took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to them. And in that moment... Immediately, their eyes are opened. Their eyes began shut, and now their eyes are open, and they recognize who it is who they've been talking to the whole time. This is the mighty prophet. He has returned. He is sitting with us. And then he vanishes. (laughs) And then he vanishes. Isn't that like Jesus? I was thinking, even this morning, I was thinking about just mountaintop, sort of supernatural experiences that I've had. I'm sure you all can maybe share a couple stories here and there. But isn't it like Jesus that after those moments, it seems like he vanishes and you're just sort of left thinking, what was that? Who was that? What did I just experience? So friends, this is no ordinary meal that the three are having together. 
This meal is a revelation. This meal is exciting. In a split second, they see the reality of who this person is. He is the resurrected Savior, the mighty prophet, back from the dead. This meal is a rediscovery of hope. It's a, it's a reawakening of life. It's a taste of vitality. It's a realization that God is in the room. That's what this meal is. And even though it just lasted for a moment, I'm sure that split second felt like eternity to them. How many times did those two people go back to that memory? How often did they tell their children about it? How often did they tell their neighbors about that one short, quick Split second of a moment. Jesus broke bread with me. I saw him. It was amazing. You should have heard the ways in which he would just explained the scriptures to us. My life was transformed. Make no mistake about it. But this is also a sacramental moment. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that he is alive and that he truly visits his people at the table. That's what we're being reminded of in this story. Jesus takes bread. He blesses it. He breaks it. He gives the bread to them. This is the language of Eucharist. It's, it's used time and time again throughout the Old Testament and by the early church to describe what we do here at our holy table every week. In the breaking of the bread, our eyes are opened and we see Jesus. So our family was on vacation this last week. And I, I know that I'll probably get in trouble by saying this, by admitting this to all of you, but we, while we were on vacation, we did talk about church a couple of times. We, so we broke the big, you know, pastor's vacation rule. We talked about church. We've, we've repented as a family, haven't we? Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, one of the things that we kept saying to each other was, wasn't Holy Week amazing this year? Like, we just kept going back to it. Uh, the, the, the photos from it were sent to us, and, you know, I'd pull out my phone every now and then, just kind of look through the photos of Holy Week, or we'd scrub through the, the video of the vigil again, which if you haven't seen it, if you didn't get a chance to be there, please go to our website and just clip through it a little bit. It's, it was just, it was amazing. It was truly amazing. Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Vigil, Resurrection morning. The scriptures throughout the week came alive to us. They just spoke to us. They gripped us this week. And coming off the year that we just had, man, there was some kind of rediscovery of, of something that was lost that happened at Holy Week. It was re the return of holy laughter, powerful beauty, piercing truth, and righteous fun is what we had that week. And even, even as it was happening, I was reminded of one of the lines from today's story. Did not our hearts burn within us as the scriptures were opened up? <laughs> In this story, we see that. We see that happening. Friends are encountering in this story Jesus in both word and sacrament. Word and table, scripture and sacrament. And we see in the story that the two go together. The word explains the sacrament. The word tells us what happens in the sacrament. And the sacrament enacts the word 
It, 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 it makes the, the word embodied, an actual, tangible experience that you can taste and see. You see, Christianity is, is not just a philosophy. It's, it's not just a list of really good truths and really great stories. And it's not just things that we digest with our minds. No, Christianity, it, 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 it's a teaching that we are also flesh and blood. We are embodied people. We are, we are believers in the historic resurrection. We are people of flesh and of wine, of wounds, and of resurrection, of word and sacrament. So Christian traditions that joyfully embrace both, well, we experience this, this Holy Spirit fire that's just so exciting, right? It's so exciting. It's kindled within our hearts. Our hearts catch on fire. And that takes us to the third movement. In verse 33, the disciples rose that same hour and they returned back to Jerusalem. So did you see that? I've been emphasizing it when I say it. I, I hope you've caught that. But the disciples, well, first Jesus rose from the dead. And now here the disciples rose. That's not a coincidental word. Luke is being very intentional in saying that once you encounter the risen Christ, you get to rise. You experience a resurrection. You experience a newness of life. The resurrection power is spreading as Jesus meets and shows himself to the disciples. And so now they too get to bear witness to the resurrection so the third movement to this story that we see is that word and sacrament always leads to witness. It always leads to witness. You know, it's funny because if you recall in this meal, you know, before they head inside, what do they tell Jesus? They're like, Jesus, you need to come inside. It's getting dark out. You know, it's common sense in the ancient world that nighttime is when bandits and robbers come out. It's, it's not like there's, you know, police uh, taking care of the streets or things like that. No, you just don't go outside at night in the ancient world. But now, after the meal, after they've experienced what they just did, they're like, yo, we need to go hit the road. We need to go back. We need to tell the disciples what just happened. They want to take the risk of the robbers and the bandits and whatnot so that they can go and tell their friends what just happened. I don't think the journey back took two and a half hours. It was probably a little quicker. Before, they walked that road in the safety of daylight under the sun. Now they go, even though they're covered in the darkness of night, they are illuminated by the presence of Jesus Christ bearing witness to the resurrection. So here at Restoration, we love talking about word and sacrament. I try to point that out as often as I can when we uh, come across it in our scriptures. But let me be clear. The word spoken and the sacrament held and tasted are incomplete without the witness, without that Holy Spirit outreach they're incomplete without that outward mission. In verse 35, we hear that the disciples, they, they got there, or they, when they arrived, they told the teaching that was on the road. They retold the word. And then they also explained how Jesus had made himself known to them in the breaking of the bread. Friends, we live in a world fraught with despair. Do I need to remind you of that anymore? Has not even the last week or so in our headlines just shown more and more despair? We are a people filled with unmet expectations. 
We are disturbed by violence. We are hounded by anxiety. The list can go on and on. So I wonder, who in your life needs to be shown or needs to, do you need to bear witness of the resurrection to? Who in your life desperately needs Jesus? So some of you might think this is kind of cheesy, but I want to I introduce a, just a really simple, simple tool to you. This was made by uh, another priest in our diocese whose name is also Father Rick. Uh, so he's the other Rick. He's very smart. He's, he's, he's great. I hope you all can meet him someday. Um, but he's got this great acronym just called Frank. So I want to give all of you a Frank card uh, that you can grab. Maybe you got it on the way in. You can certainly grab it on the way out. So F-R-A-N-C. Who are people who you can be praying for in your life? F stands for a friend. R is a relative. A is an acquaintance. N is a neighbor. And C is a coworker. It's very basic. I know some of you, especially if you're coming from like, I know some churches really abuse acronyms, and I will have you all know this is the first time ever in our three and a half year history I've ever brought up an acronym. So I I like it. I realize they can be cheesy, but I need reminders like that, sometimes cheesy, of some of the simplest things, to do some of the simplest things. When it comes time to forming new habits, I need a little bit of help. So please do grab one of those things and, and write down the names of folks who need to be shown the power of the resurrection, the beauty of the resurrection. And I think this can be a great tool for us to be reminded of who we can be praying for in our lives. So just as, or I forget the timeline. It was within the last couple of weeks. I received an email from uh, one of you, and uh, you were talking about the, the beauty of that Easter vigil service, which again, if you haven't seen it, please go online and check it out. And the word that you used was, it felt miraculous. It felt miraculous. And I think that was your way of saying that in that moment, in that evening, you caught a glimpse of Jesus. You caught a glimpse of the supernatural, that he reached out and touched you. It was miraculous. And then in this message, uh, our friend said that he was so excited to tell his family about the resurrected Jesus. And he talked a little bit about how he was doing that. Molly and I have another friend who is in a really, really hard place these days, and I don't, I don't have liberty to go into details about this. But he did say the other day that he goes to bed almost every night from his apartment, able to hear fighting, gunshots. He says that he works in an industry full of, let's just say, destructive people. And we, uh, last week, we invited him to uh, an online Compline service that we put together kind of last minute, but he was able to come and join us for that. And several of you were on that call as well, and we prayed together over Zoom for uh, our city and our nation and our church for, for peace to reign. And afterwards, uh, we were kind of talking to him about that prayer service, and he just had tears in his eyes, and he was choked up trying to get out the, the words from, from him. He said, I can't tell you how good it is simply to, to hear the words of people filled with hope. He said, that was so refreshing. And then he asked for permission. He was like, could I be a part of that again sometime? Could I come and, and be around this again sometime? And it's like, of, of course. Like, of course. Like, come, friend. Come. Come be a part of this. You see, friends, the human heart is hungry for Jesus. 
The human heart is hungry for Jesus. And the world wants to tell you, no, it's not. The world wants to tell you they're done, they're fed up with Jesus, and they don't want to hear it anymore. And sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's not true. Sometimes our friends and our neighbors and our families, family members and our coworkers, they're hungry for Jesus and they just want to be asked to come and join a prayer meeting, to, to come to church. And they're like, would it be okay if I came to that? I just want to be around hopeful people. I want to be around people who've, who've seen the resurrection, who've encountered the resurrection Christ, who hear him in his words, speaking words of life and hope, and who taste and see the goodness of Jesus Christ. I want to be around that. So I pray, friends, that we can all be resurrection witnesses to one another. I need to hear it from you. Sometimes my faith gets low, and I, and I love receiving emails like the one that I just did because I need to be built up. And I know that all of you do as well, too. So may we be telling the stories to one another, but also to those around us. May we be resurrection witnesses. Amen. Amen. Let's pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, Oh, you are the mighty prophet, mighty in word and deed. And you have risen from the dead. You walk among us. You appear to us. You speak to us. You set our hearts on fire, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray that you would do that again. Lord, bless every man, woman, and child in this room that we all may be resurrection witnesses. Stir our hearts to be praying for our communities around us, our neighbors, our friends, our family members, our housemates, our acquaintances, anyone who you might put along our path. May we be quick to tell the story of your resurrection power, that you are the God who is making all things new. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray all these things. Amen.